0: Welcome to the SDA Housing Podcast brought to you by NDIS Property Australia. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin.
1: Hello, everybody. My name is Min, and I'm your co-host today with Grace, and you're listening to the SDA Housing Podcast, a show that explains, highlights, guides, and brings awareness about all things SDA in this ever-changing NDIS world. Grace, welcome.
2: Hi, Min. How are you today?
1: Good, good. It's been a while since you've been on a podcast. be been out there traveling around everywhere, haven't you?
2: Yes, I have.
1: I think you're a lady of leisure, not a lady and of work. I'm also
2: very shy. <laughs>
1: Listen, uh, thank you for coming into the boardroom here to have a uh, have a podcast recording here. We have a builder developer in Dara, Brisbane here by the name of Ted. He, he sent through an email to one of our staff. He said, um, I've watched, I'll well, read word for word. Good morning. I've watched the webinar, provider registration webinar. However, it really doesn't answer my main query. What we need to know is how we establish the feasibility of becoming an SDA provider. While we can calculate the development costs and the construction costs, We need to know the returns available to see if it's all worthwhile. How can we determine that? Can someone contact me, please? So this is a guy who's locally in Brisbane here. He's asked us several times for information. And it's hard to give information to someone who's trying to get into the property development game and construction game of the SDI field of the NDS, Grace. Grace, you've spoken to a lot of developers in the past. What's your, I guess, feedback or advice to anyone Thinking about getting in,
2: I think the main thing is is to understand how SDA works because I know a lot of people coming in thinking, "Oh, SDA is good," you know, it's going to get me a lot of money, but not understanding that uh, the properties have to be built to a certain standard. The process of getting plans and everything may take a bit longer, and uh, also building will be a little bit different from the average built that they normally do because of the accuracy of the plans. So there's a lot more to it than just building. They have to understand all the quirkiness of an SDA build.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Grace, I think the easiest way to explain this to anyone listening who is a builder or developer is imagine you owned a sports team. You are a team owner of of a team, a club. You have a coach, you have the players, you have the physiotherapists, you have the doctors, you have the trainers, you have the water boy. You have all these people on your staff who are working together for an end result. Now, in SDA, it's a little bit different to the normal standard property development process. Would you agree, right Correct. Yes, absolutely. So, Grace, from your perspective, what does this person Ted require? Who does he require around him to help him along his this journey of should I develop SDA and who should I have around me and or should I have should I be an SDA provider?
2: I think for a start, he's got to talk to an SDA provider to make sure that the location he's picked is in the location of need. Jumping in, he wants to be a provider himself. Oh, so wow. that's going to okay.
1: that's gonna muddy the water a little bit, I think.
2: Yes, it would be. You know, it's hard to get information from somebody that you're not going to use. So, I mean, there could be some who could be quite, I guess, nice who might help you out. But otherwise, you probably have to go into the NDIA website to do your location, you know, supply and demand or talk to somebody who can help you out with the supply and demand side of things.
1: Well, this is exactly this guy's, the Ted, Ted, the, uh, the uh, developer, this is his problem. He can't find information out. He's trying to determine whether he should be a provider. What's your advice, Grace? Should he become a provider while being a developer as well?
2: I don't think so. I think it's, you know, I think it's ambitious and also a lot of people think that being provider, you're going to make a lot of money. The answer is the provider doesn't make as much money as what they think. Most providers only take ten percent. I guess if you're building a block of ten, maybe it is quite substantial. But there's also a lot of compliances and understanding of how you need how easy or how difficult it is to get your participants in there. Because mm. participants don't just drop in just because you've got a building. You know, it's a bit different. When you're building a residential, you can put it on, slap it on realestate.com and people will come and buy. But in this instance, it's a bit, you know, it's not as simple as that.
1: So your advice to Ted to not become a developer and not become a provider, is that right?
2: I would say probably not, you know, maybe down the track when he understands the whole SDA thing better, Mm. maybe he could become a provider, but I thought unless... You know, if you don't understand it that much, then I wouldn't say to jump in.
1: Yeah. So, so Ted, if you're listening, or which you are, the cost to become a provider is probably seven to twelve thousand dollars. It's a minimal cost to a developer like yourself, but it's a time frame grace. Wouldn't you agree? That's correct. The time to take to be lodge, apply, and wait for approval to be a SDA provider. That's number one. And while you're not a provider, you got to hire someone else anyway to be your provider to help you out with your project in development. And Grace, from your experience, what are the skill sets or experience that that Ted, as a developer, would be looking for in seeking to engage a good provider to help him out with his own developments? What's the advice there?
2: I think uh, it's good to get a provider who's got, I would say, compassion. There's a lot of providers out there, and a lot of them more about money. I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, it is a business. But, you know, I've spoken to quite a few clients who's spoken to a few providers and they've come back to me and go, oh, that person is all about money. It was more about marketing chat rather than being concerned about the participant themselves. So I think it's good to find a provider that is more on the participant side, not just about the money, the dollars and cents side.
1: Yes, yes. There's an old saying: "Stay in your lane." People keep saying, "Grace."
2: Yes, that's correct. So
1: if you're a good builder and a good developer, be a good builder and developer yeah. for the NDIS. Yeah, you
2: can make a lot of money out of that without trying to do something else, and which means that you've got to recreate a new, you know, business entity, and and you've got to get the right staff. If and and if you don't get the right staff, they don't run the business well. And I've also heard. That a lot of SDA providers that have come in, the smaller ones have all gone off, and because they come in thinking that it's very easy, quick money, and when they get there, they find it's not as it's not what they think.
1: Yeah, yeah. To work out the so back to the question, um, is it feasible to even do SDA? Well, you got to understand also as a developer what the return going to be for a project. So if you're looking at doing a low-rise ten-pack of apartments, Grace. What's your feedback, advice to a developer who's who's thinking about doing this kind of stuff around Brisbane for example? Well,
2: I think as a developer, if you buy the raw land, you get the development approval and you build. So basically, you are going to be owning the property at cost, Mm. right? So at cost, I would say an average return would be around... Wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. Before you go further, I think you should think in terms of the retail RRP, the retail price, because you and I, we think in retail price, mm-hmm. whereas this person here is a raw hold build. Uh, That's sorry, right. A little bit diff- numbers are different, here.
2: Exactly. So for him, be, he'll be buying it at wholesale price. Yes. Right? So if he decides to keep the property at his wholesale price, his return on that would be probably, I mean, I well, it depends depends on, on location, could be anywhere between 12% plus. Yep. But when he decides to sell to an investor, probably the return to an investor would be about eight percent plus. Yeah. So.
1: So just to put in perspective, Grace, for our listener to hear, if you are a developer looking to get a raw piece of land, DA it, BA it, build it, market it, and sell it as end product, again a, a round number, owning give a round number example, it would be a again eight hundred to eight fifty thousand. No. I'll say nine hundred grand as a round number. Nine hundred grand is the retail price as a resale as a two bedroom unit somewhere in middle middle ring suburb somewhere in Brisbane, and the yield's going to be between seven point five to nine point five percent return net.
2: Net. That's great.
1: Now because he's developing it as a raw product as a developer and a builder, he will probably get it at seven eight hundred grand as a raw cost. So that return being eight nine net yield as a retail product. It's probably 12 ish percent as a wholesale yep. net return. That's correct. There yes. you go. There's your answer. Yeah. And that's net. If you were to be a SDA provider yourself, then you're saving another, you know, 15% cost of management fees as well. Okay. That's correct. So again, stepping, putting your foot in the water for this isn't about should I become a SDA provider, Ted? Ted, your concern should be what. Access to land, you can see, is out there. And are, they, are these blocks of land or locations in high-demand areas? Don't you agree, Grace?
2: Yes, I think that's most important because there's no point getting a cheap block of land in an area that is saturated mm. or an area where there's no demand. So you, you might as well not build it because nobody's going to come in.
0: Yeah.
1: And Grace, don't you agree that a lot of builders and developers throw their hands up after a while because it's too hard to maneuver inside the space?
2: That's right. A lot of them give up after a while because I think they find it hard to understand. And also, I think the fact that it is a slightly different build. The accuracy in the build is so important Mm. that a lot of builders don't want to do it because they don't understand it. And if they do it wrong, they will not get accreditation and they have to redo whatever they've done wrong.
1: So, Grace has covered the SDA provider topic. Great. Other people, professionals required are? Who?
2: Yeah, well, you need obviously an SDA architect, you need an assessor, and preferably if you can get an SDA-approved builder to do the job.
1: Well, Ted is a builder himself. But
2: is he an SDA builder?
1: I don't, the answer is no, but, but he doesn't need to be.
2: But he doesn't need to be. No. But if you want more accuracy and yes. somebody who understands to build, he's quite important to have. Yes.
1: That. And last but not least, I mean, having an SDA provider license is nice. Nice. It's a credential on your wall. But it doesn't give you participants.
2: No, it doesn't.
1: So what what does give you participants?
2: So what what you would need to do is you would still go need to go out and network with other, I guess, allied health people to get their to make sure that you know they would have participants for you. So it, like I said, it's not a question of just advertising, putting a sign at the front and said SDA houses available. You know, participants come here. You know, it doesn't work that way. It's it's not like Your average rental market where you put it on realestate.com, you know, that people will come because there's a lot more to it because the application process for a tenant to be in the property could take up to nine months to get.
1: Yeah. So acquiring the land, getting it DA'd, council approvals, getting trades, building it, getting through the construction process as well. So Grace, a six-pack to 10-pack, how long would you build that?
2: Oh well, the way it is at the moment it's you know, twelve months to fifteen months.
1: Yep. And therefore six six pack too, by the way.
2: That's a six pack, yeah.
1: So you got the DA application and acquisitions period there, a year. Yeah, a yearish, plus fifteen months there. We're talking almost twenty five, twenty eight months. Well,
2: let's say two years to, you know. Yeah. Get it done from yep. from Purchase of land, acquisition of land to construction, completion of construction.
1: And even after construction, completion, you still need nine months after completion to find participants moving in as well. That's
2: right. It's not instant. So there's your answer. It's almost three years to fill it up, you know. That's right. I mean, we don't want to discourage you, Ted, but, you know, you have to understand it is a long process and getting the development side of things is going to take a bit longer, but it can be done if you've got You know, the capacity to wait, definitely go ahead with it.
1: More importantly, Grace, knowing what product is in the area is also important.
2: Of course, of course.
1: How how does TED know what's being built or what's being DA'd in this local little suburb or suburbs and around this location? Is it possible to find? Well,
2: I think he can always go to the Brisbane City Council website to check what developments are around the area, but does whether it, it show whether SDA? the SDA or not. No, I'm not sure. not I, mean, sure. I haven't been on council website to check, but possibly there could be something in the council website that would indicate whether the SDA. Yeah,
1: the best way is to talk to other SDA providers, and if you already are an SDA provider, it's not really good. It's 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 challenging if you are. An SDA provider trying to get more information from another pro- SDA provider as well. That's right. It doesn't really work that way.
2: Exactly. Nobody wants to tell you that their, their trade secrets, I yes. guess. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. So Ted, uh, as a developer, I uh, rec- we we recommend you talk to a SDA provider, a SDA assessor, uh, an access consultant who is an architect in the who has you know wheelchair design knowledge, S3, and talk to other researchers in the S- NDI's field who know of what's being built in the area so you are not building in an oversupply market. And more importantly, Grace, the data, whether it's IL, FA, HPS, robust, that's also very important, isn't it?
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, if you've got, if you know what what is required, you can build a little bit to spec. But I would say chances are you will probably be building more HPSs. Yes. Because HPSs can house ILs. NFAs as well. So that would give you a better chance to fill the house, the the, the property up.
1: Yeah. Debbie and I were in Melbourne last week, Grace, and we we're with a large builder called Hickory, um, building for 334 units. Yeah. And the guy, the on-site manager says it takes three to four months longer to build the units compared to the normal units. Yeah. Because it's just it's just so tricky. Mm,
2: yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it really comes down to the accuracy. Mm-hmm you know and also i would imagine some of the you know things that you need for the for the apartments or the houses might be more in limited supply because it's not mainstream so you might have to wait for the goods to come in
1: yep the last thing for this developer to think about is really government funding you know you can build it but there's no guarantee that the people with the right funding for apartments if that's the way you're going by the way is going to be in this area who want to live in this area particularly as well
2: yeah that's right and I think you know when people look at at the price guide the calculator guide and you see okay one person in a in a two-bedroom apartment getting 120,000 I know their like their eyes light up thinking oh I'm going to get Mm 120,000 but then they also have to understand that even though you might have a two-bedroom apartment you might have one person going in there, that person may not have the full funding, or he might be an FA and he can only get ninety thousand, or if he's a IL, you know, he might only get fifty thousand. So it's not always that hundred thousand. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of people are not told when they go in and purchase something because they're quite often given the highest possible uh subsidy to make it look rosy so that people will go in and buy.
1: Yes. Yes. One of our, uh, there was a comment from another client who was talking to one of our staff here, Grace. Uh, he said, oh, I, I talked to other people and they're providing better returns on their product out there, you know. And I sort of laughed myself about the situation because when someone says, oh, I, I see better returns elsewhere. What's your comment about that naive person with that kind of comment? back
2: Well, basically, you know, I guess... Sometimes it's very hard because when you tell them that it's not necessarily true, they will not believe you because they think that you're trying to you know tell them something else so that you'll buy from them. But what we do is when you come to us as I say to all my clients, you come to us we if you tell us exactly what you want to buy, we will do a feasibility for you that will show you the best and the worst scenario mm. so you know what you're in for in fact, Last week, I was talking to an SDA provider, and um, I was offering him one of the houses that we have, which is currently being built midstream. And he said, "Oh, look! Before I take over the house, I want to know what is the house about." I said, "Well, it's only a three-bedroom house." He goes, "Like that's good," because he said, "There's a lot of brokers out there." He said, "They tell people to take a four-bedroom house, promising them $150,000. He said, "We don't touch properties like that because." We know at the end of the day, the owners are going to come back to us and say, I've been promised 150. How come I'm only getting 90 or something like that? So mm-hmm. that's why, you know, we work very closely with SDA providers and we basically run our business here based on our relationship with them and what they're telling us, mm-hmm. which is people on the ground doing and knowing what they saying.
1: Yeah. So in summary, Ted if you are wanting to be an SE provider, you know, it's and, and that's your passion, then go for it. But don't think of it as a money making exercise because it is headache, a lot of headache in waiting for an approval for t- almost two years, that's number one. Hiring staff to be in your organization who has experience with NDIS, that's number two, you know, and then managing expectations of um of participants and their families and civil care providers as well. These are all very big issues that are, they, are, these, are these issues that you as a developer builder want to handle every day? And probably not, you know. So our advice is really know if this is really something you want to do, being a provider while also being a developer. And if not, just be a developer. You know, that's that's just, that's fine. You might save a little bit of money here and there, but the relationships you build by being a good SDA developer with the local community in the NOS, allied health professionals and other providers, that will help, steer you in the right direction long-term. That's our advice, right, Grace?
2: Yes, that's correct. Yes, that's right. So I think just concentrate on one thing first. If, you know, as and when your development business has got to a level that you're comfortable with mm. and you know exactly what you're doing, then maybe if you wanted to be an SDA provider, then look at it then, but not not trying to do both at the same time Yeah, that would be my advice.
1: Great advice, Grace. Thank you very much, everyone. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you are subscribed and following us so you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and to share this podcast with those that could benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode.